0: MX Network Production.
1: What's up guys, it's Alex Gray and you're listening to the Pulse MX Wrap Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulse MX bullshit.
0: It's quality, not quantity, alright man?
2: back by popular demand we are here with another episode of the pulp mx wrap-up show everybody's favorite show about a show don't lie you love it you know you love it that's why you call in and email in because you love it so damn much i'm Darkside from the moto x pod show here to do the wrap-up for episode 401 which included skip norfolk legendary mechanic in studio which somehow steve mathis forgot was coming in how does that happen Maybe because he traveled back from Holland in a busy weekend and a mix of nations, but still, come on, you got a plan better than that, Steve? Clippy, Clippy. All right, wonderful sponsors of the Pulpamex show include BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Racetex Suspension and Engines, the Michelin Star Cross Five, Maxima Oils, X Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, the Atlas Brace, FMF Racing. Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing Seats, Get Data, Firepower Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, OGO Bags, Ride Engineering, all these sponsors you guys know, as I've said time and time again, help make the shows happen, make everything run smoother. Uh, If you guys want discount codes, go to PulpMXShow.com. All the sponsor links are there. Discount codes are there. But I want to introduce our guest coming up right now. First up, brought to you by WUSA, who's providing the best quality wheels in the business. Whether you race professional, supercross, or just a weekend warrior, W has the wheels for you. W can even restore your old wheels. So visit WUSA.com and let them take care of you. WUSA brings us Privateer TJ Albright. What's up, TJ?
3: Uh, not too much, dark side.
2: How are you? Doing good, man. I'm excited to get the show going. Um I've got a little pain pain medicine in me since I've got an injury and I'm feeling really good right now. So hopefully this thing goes fun. Uh also Guts Racing, if you uh, if you're looking for a high performance seat cover and foam, Guts Racing is the best. Andy Gregg and Guts Racing has been providing seats for the many of the best riders and top teams in the business. So visit guts racing dot com today and Guts Racing brings us at Bob Brapadopoulos from Twitter. What's up, Bob?
1: Hello, good evening.
2: Yeah, man, it's good to talk to you finally. Uh, I see your posts all the time. We've gone back and forth. Uh, I know you're a hardcore Pulp fan, as is TJ, so I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, real quick, before we get going, TJ, how long have you been listening to Pulp MX?
0: Um,
3: probably about
2: three and a half, four years. Ago. I think I started
3: back uh, like the beginning of 2016, early 2015.
2: About the same as me then. Okay. How about you, Bob? You've been on a little bit longer, yeah, I believe.
1: All right. Uh, it's probably pretty close to the same.
2: Okay. What what Bob, what brought you into Pulp? Did you see the you know, I saw the ads in Racer X and that kind of stuff. What brought you over?
1: It would probably be something I saw on Twitter first. Okay. Um, and as soon as I started listening, you know, you, you learn so much so quickly and then you start learning all the, the characters that are on the show and you learn you learn just inside stuff about the sport and yeah. yeah, I couldn't couldn't stop. I was thinking earlier today, I wonder how many hours of my life I've heard <laughs> Steve talking at this point. Like, it's probably more than my mother from right. growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, that's, that's funny because that's one of the questions that I, I have in my notes, that I questions I'm starting to ask guests. And, like, one of the questions was, how, how has Pulp MX, um how is it, you know, influenced your life? How has it, you know, what's it done for your life? it basically is my question and somebody on Twitter, somebody was like raging about that stupid question, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, man, I mean, I'm, I'm same as you guys. Like I listen Monday nights. Now I'm doing the wrap up show. I'm listening to the fly moto 60 show. Uh, I'm moving schedules around, you know, to, to do this. I'm basically taking time away from my fiance at night when she wants to watch a movie or something. I'm like, nah, I got to watch, listen to pulp. So I'm going to ask you guys that question and piss that, that listener off, uh, TJ, how has is, how is the Pulpamex show influenced your life or, you know, kind of affected your life since you started listening?
3: I think I, so once I first heard it, you know, it's kinda of, it's honestly, it's kind of like a, it's like a drug, it's like a dick thing. Like, you hear one, and then when it's over, you're like, oh, I wish it was more. Like, when Steve has a guest on, and, Uh, You just have to keep going and keep going. You kind of never want the whole show to end. Yeah. So, um, like, before I turned professional, like, when I was just racing the amateurs, I felt like it gave me not a kind of stuff to expect, like, racing, but then, like, it kind of gave me a feel for the whole entire, you know, pro atmosphere with, you know, listening to Steve's show. No matter who you are or if you just listen to one show or you listen to it for, you know, three or four years going on how like i am now you just you just feel like a part of stuff like it's like it's literally like pulp nation it's literally like a whole family you literally feel like you're you feel like you're right there in studio it's it's kind of crazy
2: that's interesting that that you say that you know that you going into your pro career that it had some influence on you has steve done a privateer island with you i can't remember yes i thought he did um bob how about you how has it impacted your life uh i know it it's not like uh you know, I don't know, winning the lottery or, or, you know, losing a job impact, but it still impacts your life in some way.
1: For sure, yeah. I think TJ nailed it with the Pulp Nation statement. You know, when you hear people and you learn about their lives, you learn about what they're into, what they don't like, and all the inside stuff in the sport, what Steve does for privateers, and just there's no other place, I mean, a little bit, but not much, to get any of that information. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally agree. Um, so,
1: yeah, it just brings you in there, and it adds another layer, you know. Motocross and Supercross is so fun to watch, but it's way better when you know stories and you have, like, a, uh, an interest in, in them personally as well.
2: So. Yeah, I, I absolutely. It's ch- I've said many times it's completely changed how I watch races, and, you know, right. and, hell, I mean, it's got me to where I, you know, I got my own show going now, you know, because I wanted to get involved, but anyway, let's get into episode 401. Uh, I said in the intro, skip Norfolk legendary mechanic was in studio, which Steve forgot was even coming in. I, I had said that already, but, um, yeah, I, I feel like Steve was exhausted going into the show with any, ever had every right to be, uh, maybe a little bit off his game. Um, I said in the episode 400 wrap up show that I didn't really love that show in a a voicemail at the end of the show thought I was crazy, but I just, I kind of felt the same way about 401. Honestly, guys, I, I just was, uh, it was sort of a little blah for me. Um, which is very unusual. Uh, let me get TJ. Let me get your opinions overall of episode 401.
3: Yeah. Go back to, like you said, 400. I have like mixed, mixed feelings, kind of like you, like there some parts where like I was really into it. And there's some parts where i was like, all right, I need to move on. But then 401, um, I'm very, I'm not really, I've been riding not too long, or I've been riding a while, but racing not too long, and I'm not really, like, wasn't, even going into this year, like, I wasn't exactly sure, like, how the whole designations things were, like, dropping a score and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, uh, just kind of this show, it really, like, fine-tuned my knowledge on knowing exactly what goes on there and kind of stuff like that. So, 401 for me was actually, like, it was kind of like what you said, like, you know, it kind of did, the vibe, like, the full pulp vibe wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. So I did kind of find it funny when they called his hotel, which we'll probably get <laughs> to that later. Yeah, that was that, good. That was funny. Yeah. But, um, yeah, all all around, I think it, it was pretty good. Um, They, like, Zach had some good insight and stuff. So yeah. Yep. It was... Yeah, it was pretty good. I I didn't mind it at all.
2: Good, Bob. How about you, man? Uh, I, I probably was. Just, I've been like I've been feeling crappy lately, so maybe I was just not in the greatest of moods for it. But what were your thoughts on the show?
1: Um, I think you're right. You know, Steve. It was obviously exhausted and pretty tense. I thought it started off kind of slow, but I thought it picked up and, and was actually pretty good. And had a lot of content. There's a lot of good guests with the nations right behind us. There's a ton of information about from people that were there. And, um, you know, at first I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is rough. Yeah. Um, but it got really good and good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It definitely picked up steam and, and turned out pretty good.
2: Yeah. This show episode 401 was extremely motocross donations, heavy and extremely complaint heavy on Steve's part. Yeah. Um, Steve's, Steve's been known to be pretty negative. He was negative pretty much the whole show. Um, yeah. What did you guys think TJ I'll give you first I I don't know if you got to watch all of MXDN this year um what what did you think about the races is Steve right about the facility the track obviously he's dead on everybody's dead on with a camera issue I can't believe the cameras were covered in rain but um I still I enjoyed the races uh I thought it was still pretty good race to watch even though it was a mess um but you know what do you think about Steve's complaining about MXDN is he on point?
3: Yeah, I think I think he when they have it at the road race um, road race like facility, and it's definitely it's not a hardcore you know diehard motocross like atmosphere. Like it, at the end of the day, I mean it, it can't be. It's not. It doesn't have like the stories behind it or the man. The just natural hills that a normal track really has. Yeah. Um I did I did get the chance to watch all the races and the cameras were the <laughs> cameras were, you know, something else. But um yeah, it's just I think Steve, every you know, even if you think he's wrong, he's really good at like proving his point to where you're like, Oh maybe he is right, you know? Right, but, right. Um
2: Yeah, he can yeah, influence think, you to his think, side.
3: Yeah, yeah. He he's definitely a good like I mean, he could. I think he'd be like a really good like used car salesman.
0: uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um,
3: But yeah, I mean, I think he has every point. I mean, he has a. Like, all of his points are valid. He has reasons behind his points. And I definitely agree with him with, like, you know, it's not its not—it's a, not a red blood or. Right. Know, I'm not too familiar with the tracks over there, or even like a Guinadilla or, you know, Buds Creek. It's just, it's just, I'm sure it just doesn't feel like that.
2: Right. You say it say by him being a car salesman. I could see him, like, working at Toyota and say, hey, you should go buy a Ridgeline.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: Bob, so um, I'm going to get your opinion on that also. And. Um, you know, but just talking about, you mentioned JT or, uh, JT, or JT's opinions are very different than Steve's almost all the time. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on their bickering, too, which we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But, Bob, what, what do you think about, again, the MXDN? Is Steve on point, or did you actually enjoy watching the race and think it was a good race? Because, I like, for one, I think he's wrong. He, he kept talking about how there's no passing. But Hurling's made it pretty clear that he could pass, even though he kept crashing, but... Uh, I mean, but anyway, go ahead. Give me your thoughts on it real quick.
1: So all I've got to see of that race was stuff I could find on YouTube. So I don't have a ton of information, but obviously I saw what the camera showed. And, you know, the camera, the rain on the cameras was just, in my opinion, completely unacceptable.
2: That I agree Um, It's
1: insane that in this day and age, especially with that race, like, it's insane yeah. that to turn out and so many people paid money to stream it and that's what they got, you know? Yeah. Um, I think Steve's right on most of his talking points. I can't attest to passing on the track, but yeah, obviously Hurlings, you know, the the guys who can, they're going to pass anywhere and everyone else is going to say, I couldn't pass on the track. Exactly. That's, that's pretty much everywhere, even on a dry race. Um, yeah. I think it's disappointing to have a race like that at us, place like that i don't understand the decision making behind it but again everyone races the same track and obviously some people are going to do better than others and right but yeah it would it would be a disappointment to go all the way over there spend all the time and money either to be there racing or just to go watch it and then have that kind of be the outcome it would be tough to swallow that
2: yeah, you talked about the facility just a little bit, and so did you, TJ. And later in the show, we'll go ahead and jump into it. Um, Paul Malin and JT discussed, or their opinion is, we may see more of this. And the reason I think that youth Stream may be doing these events at places like that is for the uh, amenities. The, you know, the, the grandstands, the covered grandstands, even though they weren't right against the track, um, you know, uh, at an actual media center those things for the business side of the, of the race are probably better for them, but maybe not so much the riders and not so much the fans. So it'd be really interesting to see if JT and Paul are right that, that we'll see more of that in the future. I kind of hope like Steve, I, th- I hope we stay with the more traditional tracks and races. I think that would be better. Um, something else they discussed, you know, early is just the difference. I want to get your guys' opinion and Bob, you didn't get to see a lot of it, but um, The difference in how the euros have the gp riders have evolved uh steve mentioned you know back in 96 our guys were jumping things that most of the european riders were not uh and in 09 the 250 guys at the time were guys like ken Roxon and marvin muscan who were young young up-and-coming kids that were picking up on the quote-unquote american style and have just evolved you know um I, I really think that's where a lot of it, it has why things have changed so much. The the evolution of the GPS, um, Bob. What do you think? I mean, you think that that's pretty accurate? They're right about that, and that's just you know they they watched us and they the younger guys have taken those those uh, styles of riding.
1: Absolutely, and the fact that they're just simply dedicated to motocross all year. Yeah, it just makes it it makes it too easy for them, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're incredible, and they should, they've been showing it every year.
2: Yeah, uh, and TJ, um, he just said something about them, right? Uh, Bob just said something about them riding all year ro- long, and that was also a – it's always been one of the reasons that we say that they've gotten better is Supercross is America's primary focus. Um, and at some point, Steve said he felt like the biggest reason the U.S. hasn't been doing as well is um, the schedule over here. Like, you know, we have a break in between – uh, or there's, there's five weeks of not riding, basically, I, I think, this year since the end of Outdoors to the GP, to the MXDN. I think he's wrong. I really think the difference is the fact that we ride Supercross and focus on that. What are your thoughts, TJ? You know, as a privateer, you ride. I mean, who who's right? Or are either of us right?
3: No, I definitely think, like, when it comes down to it, if you ask anybody, any of the top pros, like, for instance, if you ask any of them, like, what title would you rather win? I bet you 95% of them will say, you know, I'd rather win Supercross. And I I think everyone in the States from, you know, the Ken Roxons to even a privateer like myself, I think we all put so much into Supercross where, you know, we start riding Supercross like now, basically, the beginning of October all the way through the end of May. And then you get two weeks to get ready for (laughs) Hangtown. And by the time that's over, by the time the outdoors is over with, you don't, you don't want to go out and ride after Ironman. You don't want to do nothing because you've been at it since October riding Supercross. And riding Supercross, is it's gnarly. Like, it's taxing on the body. And so then by the time we even get to that point, riding outdoors, I don't think even all the top guys, I don't think they're all the way in it exactly. yeah. Because yeah. they just did a gnarly Supercross series. So I think the fact that, you know, Supercross is so, from the teams, the sponsors, to everyone, Supercross is such a main priority in America that I do do believe that we kind of lost track of that. Yeah. And I do also believe, like, even, like, 2011 is the last year we won, I want to say. And I just think they're right, too, when they say, that the talent over there in 2011 wasn't as deep as it is now. Like now they have, there's probably, you know, four different countries or five different countries that race the MXGP circuit that have top guys that, you know, could go out there and win where back then it was kind of just, you know, the Caroli show or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So I feel the talent has gone a lot deeper over there. And over here, we're our main focus is supercross. So it's kind of hard, to compete, it would be interesting to see if they had like a MXDN that was supercross because then, you know, it would, sh- I think that would prove a lot of points because I don't really see any of those guys, you know, competing with our guys if they had a supercross MXDN.
2: Right. All right. Let's do a little uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff with the show. Um, what would you guys like to see? Well, what would you guys like to see changed with Pulpamex? If there was anything. Uh, you know, what like change maybe the sh- show be shorter, the show be longer, different night, adding something. Uh, I'll go with you first, TJ.
3: Um, definitely like when the if there's a guest on or like say like a Eli Tomax on, somebody like you know, isn't on, you know, every single week or just somebody like that that, you know, one of the top guys that, you know, I just am so intrigued with just knowing I don't know if it's because I'm a racer or like I want to know what those guys are doing, or blah blah. But just I feel like almost some of the interviews with like those guys get. I know everything's on like a time schedule, but yeah. I could listen to I can listen to Steve interview those guys for hours upon hours. I know eventually you run out of stuff to talk <laughs> about, and it's you know like the kind of spark gets burnt out of it. But I just I would love for like when he has those guys on, just to, you know just keep going, go, go, go till they. So they hang up, or right. you know, <laughs> they're something tired, like that. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah.
2: All right. How about you, Bob? Uh, anything you'd like to see changed or uh, improved?
1: Um, I totally agree with, with what TJ said. I think the only thing that I could be pumped on changing is maybe some of the uh, listener voicemails. Some of those come in pretty intense. Not always like uh, you know, very not super positive. Some of those guys. We could probably just do without. Honestly, some of them Ooh, I are feel that. like, geez, why am I listening to? Them? Yeah, yeah, some of those guys are pretty harsh on you, and I mean, you can be, you can be a critic without being an asshole. You
2: know, Yeah, uh, I think part of it is I think those guys kind of get off on that a little bit. They enjoy it, and sure, you know, it, absolutely. It, for the most part, it really doesn't bother me. I, I get a lot of positive feedback, and uh, it's fine. I mean, and everybody's entitled to their opinion, but yeah. There, there's times, there's times when I'm listening to the voicemails going, oh fuck, please don't. When the guy goes, and you know, like he has a second point, I'm like, come on, please don't say dark side sucks. Please don't say dark side uh, sucks. Brutal. <laughs> but anyway, all right, hey. So Paul Malin um, was the one, the first call in guest of the night. Paul is a fantastic announcer. The what he, the job he does by himself is amazing. Um, I really, really like JT in the booth with him. Uh, so TJ I'm going to ask you since you actually got to watch the race what are your thoughts on JT uh being you know uh, announcing the race with Paul I, th- I think he's great
3: Yeah he is he's very good I know the first um the first race when Cooper went down and you know I knowing like just from listening to the show you just hear on like how much um JT is like all about Team USA and all that and uh just like when for him to hold it together when they were on, you know, Justin Cooper sitting there and, you know, JT had to keep a professional, which JT is very professional. He's one of my favorites on the show. And um, just, I think that speaks for how well that he could, you know, he is at that to hold it together when it's, you know, his, not his guy, but we all know how JT feels about, you know, America, like at the designations and stuff like that. Um, I think he's really good at it. Paul Malin's really good too for him to do all that talking, you know, three days it is for them over there and for him to do all that talking by himself in there is, you know, second to none. And, you know, I would like to maybe see JT jump in at a, I don't know how, you know, how it works, but I would like to see JT jump in at an outdoor or a super cross, just, you know, to be that third guy with those guys that we have over here. Sure. I think, you know, it's good insight and you know, JT is, I, I think he's pretty good at it.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Bob, I'm going to ask you a different question. So Paul, I thought Paul was a really great guest. Um, a lot of good info, a lot of background info on the GPs. Um, but something that he said kind of really caught my attention that I thought was really interesting is he, he said that, you know, the USA, USA needs to win because people are losing interest. Um, it's really surprising to me. And Steve has said this many, many times, um, that the U.S. is the big draw for the fans. Um, did you find that interesting? Like I did. I mean, did that? that I I kind of I hear Steve say that, but to hear it from somebody that's actually part of the GP uh, program, that that was that speaks volumes.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And we, you know, before he had said that, I thought it was on our, you know, in in America when we go and we get pretty good year and year and year, it's hard to be pumped on it, yeah. you know, um, and it just seems like it's so challenging for, for us to put it together and go over there, and then we're wondering why we put in all the effort, you know, and, but to hear it from his side of the pond and just say, hey, everyone over here feels the same, because if you think about it this way, they can see all those guys at next year 20 GPs, you know, so it's not very... Like, obviously, it's the motor classes Nations is huge, but they can go see those racers many, many times throughout the the year. Yeah. And, you know, Americans only go over there once or twice or, or for these one-off races. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see that. And I think it really needs to – I think Ustream needs to hear that, and they need to restructure this thing where the teams get funding. I mean, right. yeah, yeah. I think it's totally insane that they make – so much money off of this when everyone else pays to go there yeah like, that, it, it makes zero sense that's and for one them of, to profit off of pride like national pride is not okay you know
2: yeah that's one of steve's rants that i definitely totally agree with well speaking of that so let's one of the things steve keeps saying and they talked about this a little bit was um you know the usa should just stay home next year or what or some year you know um i don't think that ever happened probably um Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I could see the point behind it, but uh, like the one guest or the one caller that called in said it kind of seems like we're just, you know, kind of running and hiding, basically. Um, uh, TJ, do you think Steve's right that the U.S. should try to bow out one year to see if maybe Ustream, GP's, uh, the MXDN changes the schedule a little bit?
3: Um. I see his I see his point or what he's saying when he says you know we could not go to prove a point but whether we're there or not the event's still gonna go on so um, I think for us like as Americans you know Americans they don't want to be known as quitters so I don't I don't see the Americans like bowing down to say yeah um, but at the same time they're there does need to be a, you know, I do feel there needs to be a change in the whole event because it favors to those guys. Like it, it was here for in Buzz Creek in 2007. And then you, I think it maybe went to Colorado after that, but the next yeah. time with Red Bud, Yep. like it was such a, such a big like gap to where it comes back here. Steve did mention something to where like every three years in America, like that, I feel like that would bring the interest in, um, there definitely needs to be change but i don't think the change needs to be to where we don't send a team
2: okay and just taking it back real quick to what we were talking about earlier with steve's rants about the facility and you know the the putting it on the road racing course um i kind of found it a little bit funny though that he didn't like the idea. He hadn't even been over there yet. He'd seen it on TV, but he always says about the American series, "Just try something different. Try it. Make it, you know." So they uh-huh. <laughs> they tried it, but he was bitching about it before he ever even got there. Um, that you know, kind of made me laugh a little bit. That's uh, just, but that's Steve for you. Um, here, here's something that Steve said it was probably one of the craziest things he's ever said. Um, and basically, I don't know if the U.S. will ever win MXDN again. And obviously, JT said, are you crazy? Uh, which was my first thought. Bob, what are your thoughts on that statement? Or and I don't know if it was really a statement. It was just more of a, a pondering, but still.
1: Yeah, that was, I hope it was a combination of uh, jet lag and lack of sleep. Because obviously, it's totally preposterous. And, you know, Steve will throw out some stuff just to be edgy or, or, you know, make a statement, Um, there's no way statistically that we'll ever not win again (laughs) unless unless we just don't ever go again. You know, we always have a chance, and we always are just a couple mistakes away from from getting it, you know, and it's obviously depressing. This is like year eight, seven or eight now, Um, and some of them are head scratchers. You know, this weekend, (laughs) we somehow... Linda, oh, yeah, we we can do this. We've got a chance. We had a chance, but it went away pretty quick, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Steve threw out another big one, too. Uh, I beat Jeremy McGrath was on there, too. So I was thinking, you know, on his tombstone, phone, maybe it just says, I beat Jeremy McGrath. Yeah. On there? How funny
2: was it that Skip didn't even remember Summercross? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was the best part yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> like, uh, what
2: was that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, so we're since we're we're talking about some crazy stuff Steve said, real quick. Um, one of the questions I want to ask both of you guys is a rant pie, or you know, a, basically, I'm gonna call it the rant pie. How often do you think Steve is right, percentage wise? I'm gonna give this one to you, JT or TJ. Sorry.
0: Um.
3: I honestly, you know, just listen to the show for as long as I have and then just being like involved or not involved because I'm not really you know, involved in the industry, but as a racer, like there's some stuff that, you know, I hear that I just hear from, you know, a top guy. And then, you know, you hear Steve say it and you're like, man, he's, he's right. Or like every prediction he has for like who's going to land on what team or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, most of the like, I honestly would give it, you know, ninety ten. But he's okay. right most of the time. I would do ninety percent right, ten
2: percent wrong. Okay, that's funny because I was gonna my question for Bob was going to be how often is JT right? Because typically JT and Steve <laughs> are a- on opposite ends of almost everything. So if if TJ's right, JT's wrong like ten percent of the time. But I am going to give that to you, Bob. How how often is JT right versus Steve?
1: All right. That's a good one. Well, so in his own way, it's easier. Like I don't feel like JT's ever really far out on anything that he makes as far as a statement. I would say Steve's probably a little more far out on his statement, just like his flagrant statements. But I don't think either of them are ever really wrong. You know, I mean, I think Steve went a little less with the, with the track and all that. Obviously it wasn't ideal. And, but he is a proponent of changing things up and trying things. And it's funny how quickly that just gets shuttered away when it's not, it doesn't turn out good. But that's how things are going to turn out when you're trying new things, you know? And, um, JT, I don't think he really says anything outlandish. I think he was kind of saying Aston was a little bit better. Then he might have been saying it if he wasn't involved with the TV programming and so much with the race, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone can argue that the, the racetrack was a success. You know what I mean? And you could say that was because of the weather, but you could also say if this was at a real motocross track, that would have been, like, you could have dealt with it better, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's a tough one. But it's the dynamic between those two is, is – pure gold, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah, for sure. Listen
1: to them, especially on this one, when they're both tired and a little bit tense or stressed out. Um, it's funny to listen to them bicker and it just adds another layer of, of fun to the show. You know, it's laughable. It's ridiculous. And they're good friends. You can see that, but it's funny to listen to them go back and forth. I feel like they should, uh,
2: Maybe at one of these live shows, we should have a boxing ring and they should just glove <laughs> up and, and go at it. You know that could get scary because J- JT uh, JT's got that that little bit of a uh, anger issue. We we've heard him talk about at uh, races. Sure. So yeah, that and might he's go bad.
1: Pretty fit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to so thank yeah
2: I want to thank uh, all our sponsors again, real quick. I hope that you guys use some of these guys: BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Race Tech Suspension and Engines, the Michelin Starcross Cross Fives, Maxima Oil. X-Brand Goggles, Pro Filter, Works Connection, fantastic sponsors that keep this thing going and allow the wrap-up show to keep going. Um, Zach Osborne, fresh off the MXDN, takes time to come on the show. Uh, I'm sure he's exhausted. He's over there for damn near a month. Um, the highlight of that interview for me, guys, was Steve saying, I'm going to be a dick. You're one of the top 10 riders in the world. How, basically, how the hell did you get beat by Tixier and Stribos and some of these guys. Um, TJ, I'm going to ask you, um, one, is Zach, is he right? Is Zach one of the top 10 riders in the world? And two, uh, is there really, um, not necessarily anything to be ashamed of, but those guys are also some of the best riders in the world. Are you on, do you agree with Steve that there's no way Zach should have been beat by those guys? Or, you know, give me your thoughts on that statement.
3: No, yeah, I definitely, I agree with Steve. I was watching, I actually watched the race at my buddy's house with, you know, our friend. And, like, we were watching and we were like, if this was, you know, if this race was in America and Osborne started 13th and these same guys were here, he would have been, you know, by 10 minutes into the race, he would have been, you know, fifth or sixth place. Like, there's no, like, you, it's hard to say that he wouldn't be just by going off, you know, all his results this past year, like he had a really good rookie year. And I definitely agree that he is one of the top 10, you know, riders in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you bring any of those guys over here, I don't see, you know, it being, I don't see it being like that much of a margarine between those, like between the, fastest qualifier in Zach's class to where Zach was. Right. Um, I think it comes down to a lot of it is, you know, those GP guys, they, no matter what it is on an outdoor track, they can just adapt to any situation that's put in front of them, whether it's, you know, a dry track, a hard track, even the track that they had in Aston. I mean, it. no matter what, the GP guys will, you know, overcome, adapt, and whatever they're there to do their thing where I feel like here in America, we don't have that, you know, weather that, you know, is that gnarly to where, you know, a track ends up being like that. And, you know, I just feel like those guys on outdoors, they are just a whole new level. But uh, I do believe that uh, Zach is one of the top 10 best riders in the world.
2: Agreed. And Bob, uh, Zach being team captain for us this year, uh, you know, was uh, integral in getting – Jason Anderson and Justin Cooper to go over early, uh, very different than the way our teams have done it in, in the last few years anyway, get adjusted, practice on some sand tracks, did everything right. And Steve asked Zach about, you know, do you, should the riders, should teams do that next year and from now on? And Zach was, you know, said, yeah, I think they should. Um, talk about a little bit about what you think, you know, is that something that you like? You like how Zach handled things and, and the thought of the teams going early?
1: Absolutely. I think it's mandatory if we're going to be out there to win it, that we go early and we ride local areas and, and really get things set up. And it's, I'm sure it's insanely difficult. Obviously the financial burden is huge. Yeah. Um, mental, emotional, all that. I mean, but if you're there for three weeks getting ready, you have such a better base than if you came over a week before and you're still dealing with jet lag and, Everything that comes from going all the way across the, the, the world, you know. I think if we're going to be realistic and we really want to win, I think it's mandatory that we do this. And obviously, next year's track, it's going to be more like a motocross track, so it won't be as dire that we do this. But I think even results aside, the camaraderie that we need to really pull this off and bring it together and do it like America can and should. I think it demands that they all go together and they stay together and they train together and they ride together and build a team, you know, because that's what wins this thing is a solid team. It's not one good guy or two good guys, it's three guys that all do well. Um Yeah. And I think it's just it's such a better it's such a better approach.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: I think Zach Osborne needs to be part of the team when we win. I think he deserves <laughs> that. He, yes. He's such a rad deer to yeah. he's put a lot out there for it.
2: Yeah, I agree. He, he's definitely the uh, epitome of what we would like to, uh, our team captain to be, the team to be. Um, Michael Antonovich. Michael Antonovich is uh, the next call in, or the next call on the line on the phone guest. Um, I don't know if either of you know have never met Michael. Great guy. You've heard him on the show, um, but he's not your typical moto uh, media guy. He's not your black sock guy like myself. Um, you know in in vans and black socks and you know cargo shorts um he he was really excited about going over to uh, the netherlands going to amsterdam the the whole atmosphere of the race and the poor guy just had broke my heart with uh how how bad his weekend went uh tj did you feel for uh for anton yeah i
3: definitely felt for him uh i don't I don't know him. I, you know, I, I know of him. Yeah. I don't like know him on a personal level or anything like that. But just the way he was talking, like how much, like he was looking forward to going, and then it honestly sounds like the whole whether it was sunny there or anything, it sa- sounded like there was a black cloud over him the whole time. Yeah, he was just you know drowned with work or whatever it was. So definitely, you know you felt for him when, when he hung out the phone you're like man that, that's kind of a bummer because yeah. for anybody you know me you we would love to love to have been over there and enjoyed the whole you know experience of it and it seems like that. just what he was going over there for and then he just kept having to work or whatever it was but yeah i definitely definitely felt for him after that phone
0: call
2: right and uh bob the uh there was also a what probably will be a new drop coming soon during that interview where they're talking about some goggle issues and uh the quote, Did he have a strap on was dropped and then Marks hits the very quick all right, all right drop from uh, Kiefer. That uh you know that that made me laugh out loud at least a little bit for the evening. Um anytime that Marks is on point with the drops, you know, it's good for a good laugh. For
1: sure. For sure Mark He's, he's the best at the drops, too. He's yeah. always got them queued up right. And Something I wonder is, I'm sure Steve has a drop pad at his he does. station as well. Sometimes you're wondering who's, who's putting them out there. You usually know when they're Travis's. Yeah.
2: Travis's they're are usually busting Steve's balls somehow, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he deserves that because he doesn't get a lot of love, and he deserves, he deserves a lot of love because he's brought – He's brought a, a extra level of legitimacy for sure.
2: Absolutely, the 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 show. If you go back and like, I did a classic wrap up recently, um, and if you go right. back and listen to some of the older shows, we're gonna do another one coming up for those that care. Uh, we're gonna do episode thirteen, which was Kenny Watson's first show as a full time wow. co host, and we're gonna do episode one thirty nine, which was Lasergate. So that's coming up. Um, but if you go back and listen to the, some of those shows, the the production quality from the producer Travis are much much greater. The show runs smoother um, for sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, Travis is definitely the the key to the success of the show. Now Steve is just you know he's old furniture at this point. I want to ask you guys another random question, TJ. Who's your favorite co-host? Um, I think I would
3: have to go with. JT, just because okay. when JT is when JT is on the phone or anything, when him and Steve are going back and forth, like you just feel like you're involved, like you're either taking one side or you're taking the other. Like not, it reminds me of like just you just hanging out with your buddies because JT and Steve have such a, I want to say long and like good relationship. Like I don't, I mean I'm not I don't know for sure, but are you, like I don't think they ever had any like rough patches or whatever it is, but it just reminds me of, like, when he, or, like, with I'm just, you know, talking, you know, bench racing with my best friend or whatever it may be. Like, they just, you know, they go at it, and, I don't know, it's really interesting, and JT has, he always has, like, good insight and, like, valid points, and I think he's a very smart guy, and I think he is really good at his job, and, you know, whether it's promoting fly racing or throwing the, you know, I remember when I first was listening to it and, you know, he was like, I would I would like to be a fly on the wall in that conversation, like stuff like that. Like just throwing the name fly out there or whatever. <laughs> right, it may be. Right. Like he's just, I think he's just very good. And he, I literally enjoy listening to him talk and, and, you know, be on pulp and have his insight and, you know, everything he has to offer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bob, I'm going to ask you a different question if you could hang out for the day with one of the pulp mx family uh whether it be a co-host or pookie or travis or anybody that's that you consider part of the pulp family just hang out with them for a day who'd you hang out with
1: would it be hanging out with dirt bikes or no dirt bikes
2: whatever you want you get to do whatever you want
1: uh man that's a tough one i'd say if there was dirt bikes involved it would probably be keeper okay he's just He's the biggest – he just wants to ride all the time, you know. That's such a – that's how I feel, and he gets to do it, so that's even better. But, right. But, yeah, it would be keeper for, for sure. Okay. But, you know, the other – I also – I don't. he's not really a co-host, but I would like to hang out with Eric Pernard sometime too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is a rad dude, man. Yep. Every time he's on, you just – you he oozes, like, cool and just – solid you know he's he's
2: cool well he's going to yeah he'll be in studio next week with Daniel Blair and Weege. so let's talk about that just for a second uh this is going to be the first ever Pulp mech show that Steve's not involved with um i'm looking forward to it i love Weege. i love Daniel Blair i think it's going to be really cool to get a different vibe for the show tj um what do you think about that are you, are you excited about it or is it not going to be the same with steve not there
3: um i definitely don't think it'll be the same with steve not there just because A lot of people, like, it's like good or bad publicity. At the end of the day, it's still publicity. Like with Steve, whether you like him or you don't like him, you're listening for a reason. And I think a lot of people listen because, you know, Steve's not scared to say anything. He's not scared to throw anything out there. And, you know, I like that about him and I like that about the show. So it's definitely not going to be the same with, you know, with him not there. Um, it's definitely. I'm definitely going to listen because, in the, the day, change is good. Like it's something different, and you know, I mean, yeah. I don't see it going. I don't see it going bad,
0: right, those right.
3: guys? Like, it's not like it's not like the show is going to be absolutely horrible because there's still good guys in there, and you know, just I listen to Weezer's show too, and you know, his show is pretty good. So I think. Yep just the pulp atmosphere you know they're in steve's studio i mean i'm sure they're going to be cracking on him the whole time Oh, of course but it's definitely going to be good and i'm looking forward to
2: it well i have a little inside information on what may may happen for that episode so i'm gonna ask you bob um what guests and think about this for a second i should have given you a heads up what guests would you like to have interviewed that have them call for that episode anybody in particular stand out
1: Mm. you know there's a lot of cool guys in there maybe how about chad reed since chad reed is never afraid to say what's on you know having yeah. a totally different cast in the studio is gonna really set things i think we get a lot of good stuff out of chad right now
2: absolutely well if if the show goes the way they're they're trying to get it if, if it happens the way they're working on. It's going to be pretty unreal. So I, I, I'm i not going to say any more than that. Uh, Works Connection, Will Call. Becoming one of my favorite parts of the show. I, I was disappointed on show. I think it was 400 when Will didn't call in. Um, the best part of that particular interview Monday night for me was Will talking about the six euros who he got to flip off Steve. That right there to me is like the epitome of how broad or how far... Pulp MX spreads that the Euro, you know, the Euro fans know that Will and Steve have a flip off, you know, a middle finger flip off contest going. Uh, I mean, Bob, that what, you know, what else could, how big can pull is Pulp MX really? Right.
1: <laughs> it's perfect for sure. And it's funny cause I have that ten game with some friends. We've been doing it for a really long time and it just comes naturally after a while. You <laughs> right. don't even know you're doing it, you know?
2: Yeah yeah all right hey
1: it's a good thing and will is gold man oh have a for sure call in every week is, is so good
2: agreed race tech rant which to me i i put in my notes pretty much the whole show the race tech rant was the whole show almost but uh the the actual race tech rant was the uh, europeans the two beds pushed together i'm on board with this one um yeah i don't want to be i don't even like when i've had to you know you share a bed with your buddy and like put a pillow between you that's just not it doesn't work i don't understand Uh, TJ, you do a lot of traveling, probably most of the time in a motorhome or box van or whatever, but um, yeah, the two beds pushed together is not cool.
3: Yeah, no, not at all, and I spent, you know, being a privateer and, you know, not having the luxury of staying at the really nice hotels, like, there's sometimes when, you know, there's three, three of your buddies traveling together, and, you know, you just get... You get a one bed a one bed in a hotel because, you know, it's twenty dollars cheaper where you're yeah, trying to save yeah. money and sure. You know, I definitely been there where, you know, you're stacking the pillows at the at the in between each other, trying to separate, give yourself some space, make you feel a little comfortable to fall asleep. But I definitely, you know you know those hotels over there aren't aren't cheap, I'm sure, especially with the big event going on and then when you have that situation where you basically feel like you're on top of each other, right? Uh, I couldn't, Im- I couldn't imagine being in that situation, like those guys working all day in the rain, and you know it was cold, so you just want to get home and lay in bed and you know relax, and then you do that, and your buddies basically <laughs> like you're laying in the same bed, <laughs> right? Like right away from each other.
2: You know, and the highlight of the rant, which came about fifteen twenty minutes later, was I think you mentioned it earlier, TJ, where they they actually called the Renaissance Hotel and uh talk to to uh, the you know the lady at the te- desk and asked the question and she was you know she said yeah well, we get that comment a lot but that was that was gold right there just having her on the line and just being like yeah i don't know i don't have an answer but still it was good stuff um and that happened when Jeremy Malott came on the line he was on the phone for a little bit to talk about Red Bull Straight Rhythm um which is a, an event that every year i get a little more excited about a little more excited about it gets better and better every year um bob him talking about who you know there some of these riders is coming as almost like halloween costumes you know like cooper's coming <laughs> as uh, hot wheels ktm jeremy mcgrath uh rv's coming as yamaha bud light mcgrath i'm excited now i mean i was already excited but that jeremy being on the phone got me so fired up for this weekend for sure
1: for sure it's going to be cool and i love to see I love that it's two strokes. Yep. I love that these guys are building bikes for the event. I love that there's no pressure and they can actually just hang it loose and and be have fun, you know. Most of most of the pro riders are so, you know, uptight because of the pressure and the demand of the sport and it's it's honestly the funnest race of the year and it's it's always going to be chaos and a little bit ridiculous and I just pray that Travis doesn't get hurt, man. Hearing him say, I'm going to hug backflips instead of (laughs) scrubs. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, good God, man, please don't get hurt. Yeah, hopefully. That's the only thing that could bring it down, you know?
2: Well, with uh, TJ, with the... With the text that Jeremy forwarded to the 199 from Tyler Bowers, maybe the backflips are out now because because uh, yeah he he was pushing some buttons with Bowers, I guess basically saying you know should I do I need to slow down a little bit for for to make it interesting and uh, Jeremy kind of pushed those buttons by sending that over to Travis Pastrana. Um, that may be the best race of the night. Yeah, it's
3: definitely definitely something that you know everyone after hearing that everyone's going to be watching those two like more closely or even, I even went and stalked like the Instagrams to see if like, you know, I remember last year with RV and a few others, like the, the crap talking that started, I even went and looked to see like if anything, you know, got, if it went further than that. Yeah. Yeah. If someone threw an Instagram post out there or something like that. But I mean, I kind of find a hard, find a hard for, you know, Bowers to disrespect Travis in that situation, just for Travis and who he is and how much he's done for this sport. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the backflip might be out the window. I think <laughs> Travis is going for the number one.
2: Yeah, I think so too. But it, maybe he'll do a backflip in qualifying or something. But, uh, and then you they, Jeremy announced that, uh, or Steve t- said that Travis Marks is going to go cover the, the Red Bull straight rhythm this weekend since he's going to be out of town. Uh, happy for Travis. I think Travis do a good job and he gets to go to the Pastrana after party. Uh, which is just kind of rubbing it in Steve's nose a little bit. So that was all very entertaining. Yeah. Um, let's jump ahead a little bit. So Pookie comes in studio and I don't know about you guys. I love me some Pookie. That's why we do hello Pookie at the end of the wrap up show. More of that to come tonight. Um, but Pookie, poor Pookie. She forgot about Steve's high point moto uh, overall. Um, Bob, did uh, you think uh, Steve let her hear the end of that at the end of the night?
1: Oh, I'm sure she's gonna hear about it for a while, for <laughs> sure. But she'll be okay, you know. Pookie, she can handle it. Otherwise, she wouldn't still be there.
2: Yeah, Pookie, but you know, yeah,
1: she's great, man. I yeah. think we need to have more Pookie on the show, honestly.
2: She I do brings
1: too. a lot of humor. She's very honest, and she's not trying to be anything she's not, and it's it's good for sure.
2: Yeah, that's that's why I kind of decided to do the the Pookie segment at the end of this show is because, yeah, she's – I'm always kind of bummed out when she's not on. I feel like she should be on every week, even if it is just at the end, because she's fun. Uh, and she killed it on the on the trivia this week, uh, TJ.
3: Yeah, she definitely she definitely did good. And, you know, she always has – whether she's always – it seems like she's always laughing about something, whether it's something they're talking about or she's just in the background, you just hear her laughing. Yeah, but yeah. She, definitely, she definitely brings a, a different vibe, like a, a – you know, you just hear a bunch of guys talking the whole time, and then when a female gets in there, you know, you hear something from her point of view. It's a lot different. So, um, it's definitely, definitely good to have you know, hear her come on and just. I, she's definitely when she forgot about Steve's high point win. I don't <laughs> think he. I think he might be nagging her about that as we speak right now. Right, so, right. Three days later, but yeah.
2: Yeah, poor Pookie. I, uh, I, I had texted her something that I had scene that were uh, it was a long story. It was an ad that in, a, in the Motley cruise, the dirt book where they were playing at a club called Pookie's. So I sent her this picture and then she sent back and we were talking about the show. She's like, Hey, did you hear skip say that he's team, po- you know, team Pookie? She was so excited. Uh, Pookie, Pookie is one of my, just such a great person. I, I love Pookie to death. Um, all right, so we're going to start wrapping this thing up here. We've got a few more things to talk about, but I want to ask you guys one more, just kind of general question. Um, I asked both of you guys this, Bob, do you think Steve actually races the W vet nationals this year? Um, the reason I asked this is Kiefer has been trying to get him to do it. Um, I talked to John Anderson today cause he is going to be one of the co-hosts next week on the wrap up show. And he was, br- he brought it up. Um, and I know Pookie's very, very much against it. Um, so I'm gonna ask you, Bob, do you think that, that Kiefer and John Anderson and anybody kind of pushing Steve to do that race actually happens?
1: Man, I'd love to say yes, but I kind of don't think so. I don't you know, either. And he hasn't been riding his motorcycle quite as much as he probably should be if he's going to go compete, and he he never sounds like he's really interested. I think it he'll would be, he'll be one of the coolest things ever if he did, and, you know, it wouldn't matter any results or anything. It would just be great to go do. I think everyone should race a little bit if they can get a chance. And um, But, yeah, I'd have to say probably not.
2: TJ, do you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I don't as much as anybody I think Steve's the of God, as much as anybody, you know, pressures tries to pressure him into doing the only way he's gonna do it is if, you know, he wants to do it. If it was maybe like an e bike race at Glen Helen, I think he would have been the first one to sign up. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't I don't see him doing it.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean it's disappointing. Um I was supposed to race that race and um, I think that Steve and I would have probably been in the same class. Um, he, you know, and I think that would have been fun. But uh, I'm not actually going to be able to race it now due to a little injury I have. But um, I hope Steve goes at least goes and hangs out because I am going to be there Saturday to to hang out a little bit. So I hope he at least goes. But um, Pookie was pretty adamant that he's not doing it. She doesn't want him to do it. So I I think I get the feeling that Pookie will probably win in that. And it's the fact that Steve doesn't really want to do it anyway. So. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you guys are both right. Um, let's talk about a couple of the tweets real quick. tweet of Travis segment. Um, th- there was some discussion about Ping being bitter and some things. I don't know if you guys listened to the Whiskey Throttle show. Uh, I haven't listened to the episode where he, I guess, kind of threw a couple jab-jabs. Um, I like Ping, man. I really kind of liked it when he was on the show back in the day. Um, you know, Steve said he'll never be on again, and I don't know if he said that as in, I'm not going to ever let him on again, or he just doesn't think ping would ever do it but um bob what do you think about ping throwing the jabs on his show um and i don't know if you've heard them but uh you know just him maybe not ever being back on pulp
1: yeah it's a bummer for sure i haven't listened to that episode so i don't know you know the context or what was said but it's definitely not good for anybody i mean anytime Ping's on it's always very entertaining um he knows a lot about racing and motorcycles and um, He's he's very opinionated, you know, and yeah, I'm gonna have to go find out, but it's a drag, and I hope it's more of a, a thing in passing than something that's gonna stick around.
2: Yeah, what I heard, because I like I said I haven't listened to, is that Ping basically said something along the lines of, if you want to go listen to some other show that has the same co-hosts all the time, you know, something along those lines, basically. Basically, saying that pulp is just the same thing over and over, and it's you know stale, I think. Um, but he's made some statements like that apparently in the you know a few different times, and there's definitely a little bit of uh beef there, and it's unfortunate. Um, TJ, I've got, I got another tweet I want to talk to you about. Uh, how bad will it get between Dylan Ferrandis and Justin Cooper? The discussion of Dylan was pretty frustrated with Justin at the final race at Ironman and then Dylan took the number 14 that Justin Cooper had asked permission from Cole Seeley. Um, you know, I don't know, man. That that There's definitely some tension going on there in that pit. Uh, do you think it's as big of a deal as maybe we're making out to be, and do you think it affects the two guys and the team next year?
3: Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, I think there could even be more to it than what, you know, is out there that, you know, the that we know about now. I uh, definitely see, even, like, uh, if you go back to high point, I, don't remember, I think it was the second model where Cooper got the whole shot and then Ferrandez was coming through and he just, you know, just bumped him off the track. And <laughs> yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. Like, like, that, I don't think the bump off the track was necessary. Um, he, I think he could have made the pass without putting him off the track. And I think you... Do that one or two more times to Justin Cooper. I mean, he's a New York, New York guy, just like me. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to push us around, you know, multiple, multiple times without us retaliating. And I just hate to see it come down to them two in a championship. And then it ends up to where, you know, they get more focused on each other than the task at hand. Um, but I definitely think that there's more to it. And I definitely think that, you know, there's going to be. It's, it's definitely not over. It, it, it's going to carry into next year, and it's going to make for some awkward test days, I can tell you that. Yeah,
2: for sure. For <laughs> sure. All right, guys. So the highlight of the whole show for me was the second race tech rant of the night. I don't know who this guy was. He sounded really familiar. But he said, stop giving Dark side so much shit about the wrap-up show. And I said, yeah. Damn it. Thank you for somebody supporting me. Gringo's always on my side. That was my highlight of the night. You guys don't even have to comment. It doesn't matter. That was the best part of the show. Um, voicemails. Okay. And I've asked other guests this in the past. He's, he's gotten to where he's doing voicemails as they go out, basically, with no, no response from Steve, no response from the guest. I don't really love that um, because there's sometimes there's things that I would love for them to respond to. Uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on the voicemails with no response?
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think they need to respond. There needs to be some dialogue there because some of that stuff is is legit, and some of it is just people wanting to hear themselves on a on a podcast. You know? Yeah. Um, I agree with the guy about Steve's song that he sings. It's got to go, man. <laughs> Dude, uh, it's got to go. It's before you hey, be, I could sit through those commercials if it wasn't for that song. I I, I try the line, man.
2: Every time I hear that song now. That's all I hear. is the the, the part where yeah. he does the the Rocky Mountain part where it's like Rocky Mountain, MC, KTM, ATV, <laughs> dude, I cry. I'm sorry. I he's a horrible singer. So am I though, so I can't say anything. Yeah. But that part makes me laugh so fucking hard. And and when I hear the Toto song, or I think it's Toto when I hear the yeah. real song, I laugh at that segment because I hear Steve doing it. Sure. So it's bad, It's bad, it's but bad. it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's made me laugh so many times. So anyway, I'm sorry, continue your, your comment about the voicemails.
1: No, that's just it. When, when you hear responses, it's good because you're getting, I mean, they, I don't know if they listen to them before the show. I guess they would have. To yeah. I think Steve them. goes through them and but, picks. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just better, you know. I agree. Um, some of those people spout some nonsense, and they should probably be called out for it. Uh, I guess if they play it, they're either doing it for some shock value or because they've got a point. Um, but some of it is is bad, and they should they should either talk about it or not play it. I think I, I, and not I, get rid of it completely. But
2: yeah, you know. I'm, I agree. I I don't like it when they don't talk about it. TJ, um, just same same opinion or different opinion? Do you like do you like the way they did it Monday night?
3: No, yeah, I, I have the same opinion as you guys. I like to hear their their insights. And, you know, Steve's not afraid to either hang up on a caller or, or tell a caller he's an idiot. Like, we both know that. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely good to, you know, hear what they have to say because then, you know, you can hear anybody say anything. But the reason why I think everyone listens to the pulp is to get everyone's, you know, insight on – or to get Steve's insight and Steve's co-host and all of his guests insight on, you know, what's going on. So if somebody calls in – I mean, anyone can listen to what somebody has to say, but I I think everybody wants to hear, you know, what Steve has to, yes, you know, that's, what his reply is to, you know, the voicemail. That's why they're that leaving them. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Like the, the, the best voicemail, I mean, there was a couple that were positive towards the wrap up show and I appreciate that, but the best one was the guy asked, I think somebody asked about behind the scenes on the wrap up show. He'd like to hear more behind the scenes stuff. Um, which I think some of that is actually coming in the near future. Steve's working on some stuff. But like he he said, like who's farting the most? That was funny. I would like to hear them yeah. respond to that, you know? That because I'm sure when those dude, you're sitting in there for four or five hours, there's some guys ripping some farts, man. I mean, like I wanna know who, who does it the most. Probably Rocky, right? For sure. But uh <laughs> Yeah, so and to the guy that I think I think he was Aussie, pretty he sounded Australian that doesn't like the rapper show, doesn't like me, wants to shoot himself in the head. Dude, I don't like you either, bro. Okay? I don't like you either. So, fuck
3: Yeah, they, they choose to listen. They don't have to listen. They that's... click on it. They hit play every week. You don't <laughs> right. have to hit
2: play. Yeah, it's like a... I don't know if you guys ever saw Howard Stern's Private Parts, the movie, or read the book. Um, but when he was first coming into like NBC and his show was starting to get big, uh, the the producers and the people that ran NBC were very much... They didn't like what he was doing. And nobody talked that Ronchi on the radio at the time. There was no shock radio at the time. Um they were trying to get him off the radio, but his numbers kept coming in so big. His numbers were so high. And they did a uh survey basically. Like the people that love Howard Stern listen uh like eighty percent of the time or fifty percent of the time or whatever it was. And the people that hate Howard Stern listened more. And when they ask why you listen more, I say, well, well, I want to see what he's saying next. And I I feel like that's, that's my, you know, that's the people that hate me. I guess they're, they're still listening. Yeah. I, I'm actually not comparing myself to Howard Stern. That's absolutely ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if these people are listening or not, but yeah, you don't have to listen. I've said that before. There's lots of podcasts I listen to. And there's sometimes there's guests that Steve has on like a privateer Island that I, maybe I don't feel like listening to. So I don't listen to it. Um, you know, I think people's bitch, uh, about, the wrap up show being in the pulp feed. Um, you know, I kind of, I guess I understand that if you're subscribed to the pulp feed it automatically downloads, but you still don't fucking have to listen. It's, it's just, but again, it's free freaking content, man. I don't know. I, I I'm thank you, Steve, for allowing me to do this. I know there's people that like it. I appreciate it. Let's jump into the BTO hot takes and we'll call this thing a night and we'll get to the hello pookie after that, Bob, I want to get your BTO hot take.
1: Alright, here we go. So, Steve and Pookie were talking about how they had a surplus of Coors lights in the house, and they don't drink Coors lights in the house, and Steve was saying he's taking his citizenship test on the 30th, and I'm pretty sure part of that test is, uh, do you drink Coors Light? And oh, really? So I'm kind of worried about him getting his citizenship here.
2: <laughs> so you think he may not get it because of that?
1: Yeah, he's gonna Uh-oh. have to. He's gonna have to figure out a way to to trick them into believing he's he's a full blown, course, by drinking
2: American. <laughs> there you go. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up because I actually had it in my notes and I forgot to mention it. Uh, yeah, Steve is going for his citizenship October thirtieth, and congratulations, man, Steve. Uh, honestly, all jokes aside, that's awesome, dude. I, I think that's a really big deal. Uh, you know, you are Canadian, but you are you are American to us also. So, congratulations, good luck with that. Um, TJ BTO hot take.
1: I would have to
3: go when when they had Osborne on the line, and not so much of, like, what he said when it came down to, like, riding for Team USA or, you know, all that, but just how he said it. Like, you could literally, you, like, you felt felt it in you. Like, when he would talk about, you know, the pride he had for his country or whatever it was and what they were talking about, um, I would just think – no matter what, whether Osborne is the second, the third, the fourth best guy in America next year, I feel that, you know, with somebody that has that much heart for their country or wants to be at an event like that so bad, I don't get how you don't send him. I think we should send him, even if, you know, he isn't the top pick and he wants to go, I think that he should get sent every every year just because you we aren't going to go there and, you know, ride the best of our abilities if we don't want to be there. So if you could send somebody that wants to be there and truly, you know, is a diehard American and they want to do best for their country and show that their country is, you know, the best and mm-hmm. where they're there to win and they're not there to mess around. So yeah. I think just, you know, what I took away from his interview was not so much of what he said, but like how he was how he was expressing what he was saying. Like I don't get how you wouldn't send somebody that looks at the whole race and the event and talks about it that much. And, you know, it, you know, he said it wasn't his idea or he didn't force any of them to go. But I think we all know that he was probably the one that brought it up that, you know, we need to go early and we need to, you know, get a, a kickstart on this. If we want to do good, we need to go and get a head start. You know, we're behind before we even go. So I think, you know, just somebody like that, I think I don't see why we can't or wouldn't send him again or send him every year until he doesn't want to go.
2: I'm I'm 100% on board with that. I agree. The the guys that want to go, um, I don't like when um, necessarily some of the people say that's not our A-team because, like you said, if Eli is the champion right, and he doesn't want to really go, like you just said, he's not going to perform probably anyway. So he's not our A-team if he doesn't want to be there. So yeah, I like that hot take quite a bit. Um, one last question. Uh, I've mentioned that, and Steve's kind of mentioned that there's some things that he's, some things he's working on to make, to improve Pulp Nation, Pulp, uh, that Pulp Empire. You guys talked about the behind the scenes stuff a little bit, or we talked about it. Would you guys like to see like a, a vlog that maybe Travis does or Swiz or somebody uh, with some, you know, behind the scenes stuff like them, like Steve's prep for the show would be something I'd be interested in. Uh, his notes, uh, you know, how, uh, Marks runs the board, whatever he has to do, to set up, all that stuff. Uh, Bob, would that be something you'd be you'd watch, you'd be interested in?
1: Absolutely. It's uh, it's intriguing to kind of think of how all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes into it, you know? And yeah. I'm sure even everything I think of, it's probably only half of what what goes down. And I'll bet sometimes they're super dialed, and other times they probably flop into the chair right before showtime and just wing it, you know? Right, And right. it'd be great to see... A little bit more of that stuff, for sure. And, you know, there has to be a limit of some sort. But uh, there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a ton that goes on that we don't even understand or even think about.
2: Agreed. Uh, How about you, TJ?
3: Yeah, definitely, like, the the notes and stuff. Like, I'm sure, like he said, I'm sure, you know, there's times where Steve is in the studio an hour, two hours before the show, just getting everything ready. And there's times like this you know episode 401 where you know he had a long flight and then he's sitting on the couch and you know, oh <laughs> like show's coming up like we gotta go yeah so then he just goes down there and you know turns the mics on and, and let's roll with it but also to like uh even like the facebook camera the facebook live camera racer x if you just maybe moving around a different angle every episode or if marks went over there with the camera and like when and like when Villapoto was on when you know he was getting Philotito they were calling on like go no, <laughs> inter like just bring the camera over to him and you know see what he got going on. Right, you know, right. That yeah. that all that like that extra insight that you know you don't get on any other show that that would be cool.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um you know I the show that I'm involved with, um the Moto X pod show, nowhere near on the level the Pulp and Mix show obviously, but people do not realize just for like that show how long it takes to prepare um, and, you know, Steve has more guests on uh, on a night than we normally do. And like calling guests and waiting for them to, and, and to respond and setting times and, you know, taking notes of what you want to talk about and going back. And, you know, Steve seems to memorize a lot of the, the results of riders and stuff. But I have to go back and take notes. People that just listen have no freaking idea how much work it is. And I can't even imagine what Steve goes through for all the content he does um Pookie kind of hinted at or she she told me that there's times when he does not when it's not a live show you know like a privateer island or whatever when he's doing the intro um you know he messes up sometimes and she'll hear him down there going, damn it and have to start over which I loved because that usually happens with me I, I'm always like starting over could we pre-record and I would love to hear some of that I'd like to hear some of the outtakes of Steve's reads or or whatever and uh yeah, I think that'd be really great but um all right guys we're going to wrap this thing up. We went a little bit over our time that we typically go. Um, TJ and Bob, thank you so much. I really feel like this was a great episode. You guys were great guests, and it means a lot that you'll take the time to come on here. Thank you.
3: Oh, no, thank you. Um, uh, uh, yeah, thank you, and I'll, I'll do it again if you need me. All
2: right, guys. Well, you ha- you have a good evening. I'm going to get to editing this thing and send it over to Steve. So I appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Bye. sir. All right. See you guys. Peace. Hey, once again, back for Hello Pookie. Uh, Pookie Mathis on the line again, always giving us time for this segment. Really appreciate it. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm good. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Just sitting here and always excited to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, the question this week is about what you do for a living. We've kind of heard mentions here and there. Um, you know, you work um, in town, obviously, but in Vegas. But what what do you actually do?
4: Okay. Um, I work at Macy's department store. Um, I work at a couple of different locations here in town, but I work in the administrative office, so I do administrative work and human resource and operations work. Um, but I only work part time. Steve's in the background saying you barely work. <laughs> yeah, I I only work part time now. I'm very lucky. I've been backing down my work schedule for a couple of years now, and I'm down to only three days a week. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. And
4: where I used to, when I when we first moved to Vegas, I was the supervisor of my department so i've you know taken a couple steps back just on my own and luckily enough that steve said that i could so now i'm not overstressed and i'm not right. overworked, and you know much more happy so i'm a very lucky girl
2: yeah it seems like because I, I, yeah, I noticed that your schedule sometimes you get to travel with steve and sometimes you're doing other trips and uh, like recently on your instagram i guess you got to go see john mayer that was out of town was it not
4: yeah, I was out of town. I went to Phoenix just for the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, I, I'm I'm sort of changing know.
2: subjects, but how was the John Mayer concert?
4: Just beyond amazing. I was yeah, just couldn't do. I was just standing there, just I had my arms up to my chest the whole time, just like it was just me and him and the whole in there.
2: <laughs> Did you get to do a meet and greet? Was that one of the pictures I saw?
4: Oh no, I just took pictures from the floor.
2: Oh okay, okay. There was a, there was a picture that you put up, and it was like just. John Mayer here or something and it almost looked like it was a private room maybe I, I thought maybe you'd uh, done a meet and greet or a VIP it was,
4: before the before the show started that was just an empty stage and the house lights were on so that's gotcha why was,
2: gotcha that's cool though so as far as continuing to work do you see yourself you know quote-unquote retiring anytime soon or do you enjoy uh-huh. having that to uh, do
4: I, no, I do enjoy having it. I mean, I, there's the days when I, times when I get four and five days off in a row just because of the way my schedule works. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do kind of get bored. And like I said, I'm only working, you know, 16 to 20 hours a week right now. It'll be more at holiday time. I work in a retail store, and we do a lot of all the hiring for the store. So um, my hours are going to be picking up. That's one thing that I don't like about working at Macy's is that my retail hours are totally opposite with Steve's off-season. Yeah. So when he's home more, I'm working more. So
2: Right. Yeah, you know, it's I... a little bit
4: frustrating, and I can't travel as much um, with him in the off season like I want to. I was lucky enough to be able to go to Bercy or to Paris Supercross with him one time. Paris mm-hmm. Supercross. Oh, that was Destination. See, I didn't even go to Paris Supercross, and I've always wanted to. So, I was wrong. But so yeah, I would like to, you know not have to work just because of that. But yeah, I, I don't think I can do no working. I mean, I'm sure I could figure it out. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I'm happy, you know, to be able to just do what I do. And I've been in my I've been in my job a long time I've been with Macy's for about six months before me and Steve got married. Oh, we wow. Working at Macy's. No, only three months, three months before I, I got married. We started working at Macy's. So yeah, 15 years I've been there. Yeah, so,
2: that, that's yeah, awesome. I'm very
4: close with my coworkers and I'm very close to my supervisor. So I'm glad to be able to
2: help them yeah the the retail life is difficult my fiance does retail and then my ex wife was actually the manager of victoria secret here and i hated it because i i enjoy having them go to the races with me and stuff and they can never can because they always you know weekends and holidays is you got to be there so yeah i hate it
4: yes, for sure This and especially for management it's very very um demanding which yeah
2: not
0: right <laughs> All right. Management
4: isn't for me anyway. I'm not the kind of person that could be a stern boss or anything. I'm <laughs> yeah. way too sensitive for that. So yeah, I had to supervising people was not for me.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm pretty sensitive myself, there, Pookie. Uh, <laughs> you know, my feelings get hurt all the time with the, the Pulp fans bashing on me. Damn it, Steve, he's so mean.
4: Aw, oh, you got to be <laughs> toughening up by now, though, right? Yeah, oh, I'm joking. Yeah. It's so yeah, Hard, I know. I
2: don't let it bother me. It's all good. But oh, Pookie. Good. Thanks again for spending some time with us, and we really appreciate you.
4: Hey, no worries. Always a pleasure. Talk Uh, to you soon. Okay.
1: Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?
0: See? Yeah.